Welcome to the Brum is Blue podcast, the dedicated Birmingham City Women's Football Club podcast. Coming up on tonight's show, we will discuss the dramatic clash with West Ham United, the new TV deal with the Women's Super League, our upcoming game with Bristol City, and much, much more. Roll the intro. Birmingham City have taken the lead. A lovely free kick down the head of the Birmingham City captain. It's a dangerous ball, it's a looping header, and it's a goal against the run of play for Birmingham City. Abby Grant. It's a lovely finish into the top corner. Guided in by Lucy Whip. Just gently lofted out of the reach of the keeper. Might be another chance for another goal. Cracking save by Hampton. Welcome one and all. Before we get started, if you're new to the show, don't forget to subscribe on YouTube. And if you prefer the audio-only version, you can find us on Spotify, Amazon Music, and everywhere else you can find podcasts. I'm Craig, and I'm joined tonight by the dynamic duo themselves, Kaz and Stacey. First of all, Kaz, how have you been this week? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Bit tired, but I'm all right. That's good to hear. Stacey, what about you? Good week? Yeah, same old, same old, isn't it? How about you, Craig? Yeah, it's not been too bad. As you say, it's just... It's um, Groundhog Day every every day at the moment, but we'll 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 get there. Um, but there's only one place to start this week, and it was with this moment. He's ripped in to the far post. Mace two two. They got it. Barrier City. They'll get the goal. They might just keep them up in the league. Carly Ward is up to celebrate. Heartbreak for West Ham. I feel perhaps uh, had we not grabbed that late equaliser, we might not be having a very different outlook on this game. But nonetheless, it was a massive point for the Blues in the end. We started superbly, open, getting the opening goal in the ninth minute. Straight off the training ground, this one. Sarah Mayling drives a low corner kick to the edge of the box. Claudia Walker's effort is then blocked into the path of Emily Murphy, who then fires home. I think it was you, Kaz, that said you wanted Murphy and, and Walker to combine more up front. And they sort of did here to grab the opener. It was just fantastic, wasn't it? Claudia mishit it, and then it fell to Murphy. And I think I put out a tweet as well. That I think Murphy has now scored three goals against Claret and Blue. So I'm expecting a fourth one against Villa when we play them. So, yeah, cracking little yeah, play cheese. Yeah, that's, that's one of those games that we still don't know when they're going to be playing it, but hopefully it's in the calendar soon or rather than later. Uh, we looked really good, as I mentioned, in the first half, playing the ball around well and getting further chances for Oisha Littlejohn and Jamie Lee Napier that both went the wrong side of the woodwork. But Claudia Walker then suffered, unfortunately, a head injury that after a clash with Jilly Flatty in the air. The more I watched this one back, I thought Jilly's shoulder that hit Claudia first and then they bashed head second. Was the West Ham defender lucky to get away with that one, Stacey, in your opinion? Yeah, it was a red. Just, just no, she literally just she flew into her. The, there was no two ways about it in my mind. It's like it was a red. Yeah, it's one of those where the more you see it, the worse it looks. And as it, it really could have really changed the game, given how important Claudia Walker is for us. And it was it was a real tussle between those two players throughout the first half, really. And it bled into the second half. Pardon the pun. Walker was then stitched up. Um, ahead of the second half and it didn't quite get done in time so we had to play with 10 players for the opening minutes after the restart Flaherty um, incidentally then chips the ball into the box Hannah Hampton comes for the ball I'm not sure she's ever going to get it and it drops to the feet of Emily Van Egmond who then pokes the ball into an empty net what did you make of this one Kaz was it a, was it a, 
a mistake to go for the ball, do you think? Or do you think it was one of those where it, it could it could have got in another day she would have caught the ball? Do you know what? I think it's a bit of both, isn't it? I think starting the game with 10 players probably wouldn't have helped in the second half. Um, I think I was screaming at the TV at the time saying, just bloody sub Claude off. If it's that bad, get her off. But I think if Claude was on the pitch, I don't think it would have happened. So it's one of those, isn't it? Hannah could have probably caught it and not give away the goal, but it's it's one of those, isn't it? It's what you call football, so... Yeah, it's it's it started to swing against us, and there was a moment where it could have got even a lot worse. Grace Fisk then hits a ball over the top for Martha Thomas to chase down. She does well to stay on side. Then crucially, she hits it straight at the keeper. Stacey, this was a huge moment. Thomas is through on goal, and Hannah stays big and forces her to make the wrong decision. Yeah, it was great bit of goalkeeping from Hannah. Like from a young age, the first thing you're told to do is make yourself big, and she did that, and um, it put pressure on her to. As you say, make, make the mistake. So, uh, got to give credit to Hannah there for coming out, being brave, and being big. Yeah, obviously, after the the um, the last last time she played, it was obviously in a moment that she didn't want to live back, and obviously had to get the confidence back. And she shows at that young age, she's still very very good goalkeeper, and she will be for years to come. But we looked really timid, I thought, as the second half flew by, and it almost cost us another cross from the right. Georgia Brome sticks a tentative foot at it. It doesn't do enough to clear the ball and it falls to Van Eggman once more. She lays it off to Katarina Svitkova, who then fires a low shot across goal and into the bottom corner. It's a great finish, Kaz, but we needed to be better here defensively. Oh, definitely. Um, I think at that time we were under, like, under the cosh with West Ham, so I think it was like the, the spell of, what, 20 minutes they had, absolute pressure on us. I'm trying to think of the goal, actually, because all I can think of is rubies at the minute, so... Mine's gone blank, Craig. Mine's gone blank. That's right. It's like it's a, it's a left left footed shot across goal into the bottom corner. It was. Um, but with everything on the line, we rose once more to right the wrongs and threw everything at them in the closing stages of this match. The ball drops to Sarah Mailing on the right hand side. First time cross. It's a peach of a ball, and it lands to Ruby Mace at the back post to sweep it home. Cue the celebrations with Carla Ward running the length of the pitch, as you heard in the commentary earlier on. The length of the touchline in delight. She got booked for it and she won't care. One moment about this. What were the scenes like in your household, Stacey, when this goal went in? Yeah, Kaz went a little bit mad. The not the whole house was a mad mad house that night because obviously I was multitasking with the men's game and the women's game on at the same time. I, I swear we need to invest in a GoPro just for when we're watching games at home at the moment because it would be hilarious. Like, yeah, it was a massive, massive goal in more ways than one. So, yeah. It absolutely was. And uh, that ball from Sarah Kaz, it was obviously something that she's, she's, we know she can do, obviously, but she's been having to play a bit further back. But when she gets the the the, the, uh, the, the chains and leash, she she's just shows the quality that she has and possibly something that the, the England manager will be looking for in the future. Oh, definitely. I think Sarah's been one of our unsung heroes this season. Um, I think I was saying to Stace earlier that I think she's out of contract as well in the summer. So I was like, I'd just throw whatever Sarah wants. Basically, you need to get her in your, your team for next next summer. You need to basically put the team, build the team around Sarah, because I think Sarah is going to be one of the best players you've probably seen in a blue shirt in years to come. Yeah, absolutely. And she's obviously celebrated her birthday this week. And she is 
she's not in terms of how long she's been at the club there's been longer people there's connie i think had an extra year at the club but in terms of appearances uh sarah's obviously had the most appearances out of the team currently so she's obviously so vital for us to have that experience in the team week in week out and uh, but in, in, on the flip side of that, we have some very talented youngsters who are on loan who did the business in this game, Stacey. Emily Murphy and Ruby Mace doing the job, and they're still just such a young age, and they're showing that they can compete at this level. As Kaz said, it was Emily's third goal in the WSL. It was Ruby's first, and uh, it was what a great way to get your first like a last gasp equaliser against someone who at the moment is a relegation rival sort of um now they've both I think you you forget how young they both are um they've come in and they've I'm sure their parent clubs will be watching and thinking this is great for their development so but yeah no they've done 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 fantastic since they've come in and I, I can't they've made mistakes but they're gonna they're kids at the end of the day so yeah um all credit to them I'm really really impressed with how they've handled the step up essentially yeah, absolutely. And it's a huge point for us that puts us on 12 points and touching distance of safety. Off the pitch, it's been another busy week for Birmingham City. It was announced by the club earlier today that Sunday's fixture will be at Damson Park. The reason for why our home ground is now suitable again, despite having not played our last three home matches, is still unknown. And But it's a huge positive ahead of Sunday's game. The lack of transparency over why it happened annoyed us at the time. And now the decision has been re- reversed. It's equally confusing, right, Stacey? As you said, it's just it's the lack of transparency that I think annoys everyone. If they'd have come out and said, right, we can't play here because of this, this and this, you'd have gone, oh, okay then. But we can go back because this has now been rectified. Oh, okay then. But we've literally had nothing. The only thing I was, I was saying this to Kaz the other day, the only thing I couldn't think of that it would have been was the fact that, obviously, when our games were postponed previously for bad weather, so were Solio Wars' games postponed and they had a lot of games recently that they needed to use the pitch for. And I think with it still being March and living in the lovely English channel that we do, weather's not predictable. And I think it might have been Solio Moors that have gone, look, we need the pitch in a fit state. We're not going to be able to accommodate what you need. So maybe that is why the FA stepped in. I don't know. I'm surmising, do you know what I mean? But... It, it it's the only thing that I can think of that's, well, why was it not deemed suitable three weeks ago, but now it is. So, yeah, it's, uh, like you say, you'd just like a bit more clarity, wouldn't you? But it's, I'm a Birmingham fan, I know you don't get clarity, so... <laughs> No, I don't, I don't think it's anything anytime soon we're going to know the answer to, but it's it's one of those mysteries that we're going to have to live with. And uh, also in the news, we finally got to hear the court's ruling on the Spurs game, which was due to take place in January. For those who have forgotten, understandably, given how long it's taken, I'll recap what happened. Birmingham City was due to play Spurs on Sunday, the 10th of January, but were unable to fulfil the fixture due to injuries and safety guidelines. Due to the pandemic, the youth team must be kept in a separate bubble to the first team, so you cannot call players up at such short notice. Blues didn't therefore have any option but to protect the players who were fit from risking further injuries and possibly long-term damage to the team. The independent tribunal ruled in favour of Spurs, which meant the game was considered to have been played and that Spurs had won. We knew this was a possibility when the game did not take place, and while we can be extremely frustrated in any other season, this would be the outcome. 
Although in a normal season, we would have youth players to call upon, which means it would not have happened in the first place. It's a messy one and one that will leave a bad taste in everyone's mouth. Everton had a game called off at the same time due to not having enough players to fulfill their fixture, but that one was rearranged. The difference there, Everton had players who tested positive for coronavirus, had isolated for the required time and had just returned to training. Kaz, I know you weren't too happy about the double standards here. If Everton had enough players in training, match fit or not, you think they should have played the game? Well, yeah, if you look at it, so we had one one person with COVID and then we had two returning from COVID. Everton had four players returning from COVID. So what's the difference? Like, they actually had enough players fit to play the game. They had 14 players. We went to Aston Villa with 13. Why, why are we being punished when other clubs aren't getting punished? I think we're going to see the double standards in the with the FA again this week about Casey Stoney and her comments with the referee, the standards of refereeing. She said what she said on live TV. Carla said what she said. Carla got a, a one-line match ban and a fine because it's United. United will probably get away with it. So again, we're going to see the double standards of what the FA are doing to us. Personally, I think it's absolute bollocks. It's just the FA, they do my head in. I think in terms of why Casey Stoney might not get uh, a ban is because she didn't necessarily say that the referee was biased towards a team and the way that Carla worded it wasn't the best. But I can understand why everyone's frustrated that she's not going to get a ban for the things she said because she basically said the referees were terrible in, in the worst possible sense, yeah. It, it's not it's not ideal and obviously it might come back to haunt her if they get that referee again in the future but we'll 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 see, we'll see um also in the news anyway this week is another pretty big one it's it's mo- mostly positive i would say the fa have agreed a multi-million broadcast deal around eight million pounds per year with sky sports and the bbc to show the women's super league matches over the next three seasons 75 percent of that money will go to wsl clubs and the 25 percent remaining will go to teams in the women's championship do you think this money will help improve the facilities amongst the clubs in the top two divisions Kaz quite topical given that viral video that's going around at the moment with the disparity between male and female athletes in America right so I listened to talk sport this afternoon when Kelly Simmons was on and she was like oh so Sky have had like these issues with games being postponed and stuff. So we're looking at next season, helping these clubs out and getting the sheets and whatever they need, they can basically, they're going to get. Why why that, Why that? now? Why not have done this a few years back when we were getting more internationals into our league? And like, we all know what Dams and Parks like in the winter. It's terrible. We've seen that first hand this season. But yeah, as the money-wise, I think it's going to be a fantastic addition for the clubs that are struggling. Um, I don't think any of the bigger clubs need any more money thrown at them. But I think somebody put a tweet out earlier about the fans, like the original fans that have been watching these teams for like day one. I think they're going to be punished by the the run about six o'clock kickoffs on a on a Saturday night and stuff like that. You don't want your kids going to a like late game like that on when they want it to be a family or a game. But I can see the positives. I can see the negatives. And you've also got families that can't afford Sky. And if you're a Man City fan or a United fan and you can't afford that, then it's them fans that are getting punished as well. But 
I can see why everybody's saying it's a big thing, like Sky. Do you know what? It'd be fantastic to watch it on Sky. Like, it's fantastic. We get it to watch it on BT, but I just think, is it going to ruin what we've already got? You you mentioned the uh, the times that the the games might be um, shown on on television, and these are the proposed dates that they um, suggested. So on Friday night would be the fourth pick of games. So it'd be the 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 fourth most important game on the Friday will be at six thirty. On Saturday at lunchtime, that will be the second most popular game at eleven thirty a.m. Sunday, the first pick game would be on at twelve thirty at lunchtime, and the second, uh, the third pick of the weekend would be at six thirty on a Sunday evening. So, will the early and late kickoffs affect attendances? In your opinion, Stacey, as Kaz alluded to, yeah, because obviously, getting up for a half eleven, like anyone that's gone to the Y game ever in their life, will tell you the worst thing about football is early kickoffs. So going for a midday game anywhere as an away fan is a nightmare when it's the men's team you have coaches put on most men's away games so it's a bit different you can kind of you know get here but for people who travel the country to watch their team for us to say if we've got i don't know man united yeah durham if durham get promoted and we've got durham that's a three and a half hour car journey for a half eleven kickoff, say you've got to be there an hour before ankles, let's be fair, get in there. So you're gonna be leaving at like I can't even bother to work out my brains. Five o'clock in the morning. Yeah, like well, as most Birmingham City ladies fans will know, with Kaz we'd be leaving at three o'clock in the morning. Cause it's Kaz. I like so, to get there early. <laughs> so I think it will have an effect. Obviously, you've then got your half sick kickoff on a Sunday night again. If this was, we was at Durham, kick off half six. So you're looking at what, nine o'clock by the time you're possibly leaving. Then you've got three and a half hours back and the kids have got school in the morning. So it's, on one hand, I, I can see the positives from it. Like the money's going to be great. The exposure for bigger audience and wider audience and worldwide audiences. But for, like Kaz said, the fans that have been there from a Sunday in literally all types of weathers, with people borrowing kits off men's teams and things like that, I think you are going to lose a part of that with what's happened. And that's just it's football moving on, but it's it's going to be a shame for some people, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And um, Martha is asking a question. She asks, will the matches still be on the FA Player 2? The matches that won't be selected for Sky and BBC will be on FA Player. So the fifth and sixth match of every week will be shown on the FA Player. The highlights will likely be on the FA Player still afterwards, I imagine. But they haven't specified that, I don't think, either. And Martha also goes on to ask, uh, goes on to say, the clubs and teams will lose the young supporters from girls' academies and grassroots as they won't be able to attend the differing times. Yes, that's probably likely. Obviously, once you play matches as well, they'll be affected as well. So yeah, it's, it, there, there, is, there is a lot of drawbacks to the to the new system, but obviously, money money is the the thing that they're um, most important about at the moment to um, protect the longevity of the league. I guess they could say. I still don't see why we can't have a summer league now that Sky yeah. have got involved as well. Because let's be fair, a lot of football fans, if there's a male game on on BT Sport, while there's a women's game on Sky Sports, ninety percent of male fans are going to turn over and watch BT Sport. If there's no men's football on during the summer and the women are on, it's going to reach an even bigger audience, especially years where there's no 
World Cups or Euros and things like that. And I understand why the FA want to play in a winter league because they want to compete at certain levels. But let's be fair, it hasn't worked in the last few years, has it? We're not really up there competing just yet. So, yeah, it just, it's one of them, and it, again, swings and roundabouts, like you can argue for and against, but... Yeah. I think in terms of the summer league, it's obviously they've got to relay the pitch at some point. So when do you draw that? Where do you take the time to do pitches if they're going to have to use the pitches 12, 12 months every like every month for the the year? Basically, wouldn't it be? So it's a difficult one to obviously think about, but it, it's I don't think it's going to change anytime soon. But even if most uh, a majority wanted a summer league, as you say, but uh, yeah. Sky Sky Sports have promised more build up coverage to matches and more an- analysis. Uh, for the WSL from next season. For years, we've been used to coverage starting maybe 15 minutes before kickoff or for, or for the games on the FA player mere minutes before. Do you think this adds another level of professionalism to the way the league is portrayed to the to the people watching, Kaz? Oh, definitely. And like, hopefully we'll get better commentators as well that actually know what they're actually talking about because, you know, the FA player is absolutely diabolical um, with commentators that haven't got a clue other than who Vivian Miedemar scored against. And don't forget um, that Lyman's got TikTok. Oh yeah, is, is she? Because yeah. I don't go, I, I don't follow her. Because it's 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 a good thing that it's gonna we're gonna get more exposure and that, and we'll probably get more international players coming over. I don't know. I think I think I'm the only one that's not excited about this deal. I think we're gonna lose something. It's going towards the men's side of the game where we probably won't be able to get autographs or anything or talk to the players after a game and stuff like. I can remember going to the Blues and having a pint with certain players, I'm not going to name names, certain players after a game with Dave and Marcus. And now you you can't even see them after a game like last season because they're having to go into another room. Like It's like the fans are being pushed away from the, from this side of the game now. And I just think it's, it's, it's a shame because if it wasn't for us fans, they wouldn't have people in the stadium. So... I think I think I think it's not necessarily um, universally a positive thing, but there's always going to be, as you say, Kaz, always going to be things that are going to change, and people don't like change, and it's it's I it's hate always, change. yeah, hate a lot it. of people do, <laughs> but but sometimes you just have to have to uh, embrace it eventually. But um, as you mentioned, Kaz, uh, obviously commentary has been fresh in our minds recently. I thought the one we had at the went the West Ham game wasn't too bad, but there have been some bad ones out there in recent months, as you said. Sky have a lot of seasoned professionals when it comes to commentary. Uh, Stacey, um, do you expect the standard to improve or, or could we see someone like some of the bigger names from the men's game trying to have to do women's games and they might not want to do the research? Will it make will it look worse if they've got bigger names and they don't know? Will it? Will they have to put the work in to protect their reputation, so to speak, I guess? Well, I think as a pundit, they should be putting the work in regardless of who they're yeah. commentating on. So um, I it's hard, obviously. Are they going to keep the studios in the same setup as they do with the men? So you've got your pundits in for this game and they are there then for that day. And um, But I do think the level of professionalism, like we always talk about that in World Cups gone past, um, I think Dion Dublin did it for BBC and no one batted an eyelid at that. So... He's one. So you've got in the men's game, you've got Alex Scott. Yeah. Great professional in the women's game. And I tell you what, she's an absolute beast when it comes to um doing the punditry on the men's 
side of it. She like she goes away and she does her, her job. Basically, she does what she has to do. Karen Carney, the same. So why can't we have Jamie Carragher and Phil Neville, uh, sorry, Gary Neville doing the women's game? It'd be fantastic to have Jamie Carragher dance all your Do you know what I mean? Get, yeah, get, get that happen, get get that happening. I'm all for Sky being there, but until that happens, I'm not happy about it. <laughs> Wait, are, are we going to get Jim White with his tie going going live to Damson Park for transfer deadline day? Could you <laughs> imagine? Yeah, we we might we that might that might be a, a thing no one's thought of. We might be getting transfer deadline day, twenty four hour amazing. coverage. Jeff Sterling on a Saturday, man. We're off to Damson Park. Yeah, as you say, it's Jeff Sterling <laughs> going live to Can our I game. Do it as well? Chris Chris Kamara at Damson Park. I didn't see it, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all here for that. There, there's um, things that people haven't thought of that we might get, which which is nice to, <laughs> nice nice way of thinking about it. Oh. But hopefully, but hopefully, as 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 we're alluding to, hopefully it's the start of something special and not like that time that Sky Sports cut the coverage of a certain FA Cup final short to show the Football League playoff build-up, which we won't mention involved us in 2012. But that's a long time ago. Nine years is a long time to change, and they've probably got better people in at the job now than they did. So let's hope it's a positive future. So next up for Birmingham City is Bristol City. It's a huge game in the relegation scrap at the bottom of the WSL. Bristol City secured a respectable 1-1 draw with Tottenham Hotspur at the weekend to move back off the bottom of the table. I personally believe 15 points will be enough for survival this season and a win for us at the weekend would get us there. Do you expect it to be a cagey affair, Kaz, especially with what's at stake? Um, definitely. Me and Stace were on about this earlier. Like, it's a shame we aren't allowed to go because I think that play, we could have, literally have that place rocking on Sunday. Yeah, it's definitely a biggie, isn't it? Like... How how you meant to cope with Ebony Salmon and Charlie Wellens? I just hope Charlie doesn't come back to haunt us with the winning goal. We all know she's capable of scoring goals because we've seen it firsthand. Um, I think yeah, it's 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 a hard one, isn't it? Because like, I really don't want Bristol to get relegated, but I also don't want us to get relegated. I will be inconsolable if we we get relegated. So yeah, it's it's a big one, and you know. I'm behind the girls and about Carla, whatever team she puts out. Yeah, as, yeah. as, as you it's, say, it's, it's just it's so nerve-wracking, isn't it? It's like there's nothing we can physically do about Sunday, and it's like uh, we return to Damson Park on Sunday in a game which will bring back memories of last season and the defeat to Bristol City, which spelled the end for manager Marta Tejador. I, I keep thinking I'm not going to keep using her name, but I, it keeps coming, keeps cropping up anyway. But uh, Stacey, do you think that defeat will inspire the team to do better this time around? Ten of the match day squad that game remain, in the, remain at the club. I think they won't be thinking about that game, to be quite honest with you. I think they'll probably be thinking when we played them at the beginning of the season or whenever we played them, because let's be fair, we've all lost track of time now. When we beat them 4-0, we, if we're capable of beating them 4-0 then months ago. Why why even think about the 1-0 one, the one defeat back, what feels like 100 years ago, when we was last allowed in to support the team? So, so Kaz is like, oh, I wish we was there. But last time we was there, it didn't do us any good, did it? So now we're not there. <laughs> And I nearly got banned for life, so it's all okay. Well, to be fair, you nearly got banned for life and you ain't been back since, so... <laughs> but yeah, come oh on. We, we've got a team who's playing for a manager this year. We've got a better manager. We've got more points than Bristol, so 
Yeah, obviously, obviously on that day, Ebony Salmon, as you mentioned, they got the winner on that day, of course. A player that quite rightly is in the front of uh, Carla Ward's mind ahead of Sunday. Will the pace of Ruby Mace be crucial, Kaz, to combat what Ebony brings to the game? Oh, definitely. I think no matter who is in our back four come Sunday, I think they've got to be on their game because she can she can work magic, can't she? You've seen, you've seen it this season when Bristol have been playing absolutely pants and she comes up from a goal from nowhere and the girl can change change a game and I really can't believe Manchester United let her go because for me, she's probably one of the best young strikers in our league and I think Casey Stoney now will be kicking herself because if I if I was Carla Ward now and if she's out of contract, I'd be I'd be looking at her and thinking she'd be fantastic in this league for our team. I think she's a cracking lot player. I think I would personally get somebody man marking her because or woman marking it before anybody gets political. Um, yeah, it's going to be fantastic, isn't it? And I won't be watching it because I'm at work. Matt Beard has come in at Bristol and has really hit the ground running. We know the sort. Um, he's the sort of manager who will pick the players up and give them renewed confidence, similar to what Carlo has done in many ways at Birmingham. He's been in charge for seven league matches so far and has picked up eight points, including a dramatic 3-2 win over Reading. To put that in contrast... Tanya Oxtoby picked up just two points from their first 10 matches this season. It's a strange one, Stacey. It doesn't happen often that you get a two-time league winner taking charge of a team at the bottom of the table, but he's done fantastic. No, we've known Matt for years, like since he was at Liverpool. He's a, he's a great manager, obviously. He went over to America and then came back and I thought West Ham were a bit bananas, really, to, to let him go. Um, and obviously he's gone in. Uh, at Bristol to well, Tanya's on maternity leave, and he's he he does he seems to have rejuvenated them. He's I feel like he's took them back to basics and basically looked at Hepney and gone, Oh, well, you're our main threat, so here's what we're going to do we're going to defend well and get the ball to you, and then you're going to put the ball into the back of the net. And they've done that, and it's worked. It's it's definitely going to be a hard game. Um, Matt's also very good at. He's a very good tactician, so he would he'll know, and he'll be been looking at how we play and how he thinks we're going to set up, and it's going to be um yeah it's going to be an interesting one to watch. When you look at Bristol this season, they obviously have conceded a lot of goals, but there have been some bright sparks. Sophie Bagley continues to show why she's one of the best keepers in England. Ebony Salmon is priceless to Bristol as a goal scorer and chance creator. Another one is Gemma Perfield, who I thought has shown a lot of class down that left-hand side since leaving Liverpool for Bristol. What about you, Kaz? Anyone else at Bristol's side that's impressed you so far this season? Charlie's did all right, hasn't she? Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, we know what she's capable of. I think there's a few players in there. I think Soph is basically, if they do stay up, I think it's mainly down to Soph, especially that stop. Was it against Tottenham? Against Gemma Davison, the shot Gemma Davison had. Bloody hell! If that was if that was like Ellie Roebuck, people would be talking about that for for weeks to come. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what? It's a good time for a Bristol fan because they're getting to actually see what their team's capable of now. We know from experience how good someone like Meg Sargent can be at centre back, and to have her out for the whole season is a massive blow for Bristol. I don't know how you feel, Stacey, but I feel Bristol might have had a much better goal difference had Meg been available for them this season. It's no secret that Meg has a. Uh, fans of Megs, um, but it's 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 been evident for me with Bristol's defence this season of how much she's a leader 
and an organiser in the back. And obviously when she played for us, it was her and Aoife in the middle for us was a cracking combination sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I do feel like they've missed her. She's not the only player, key player that they've had out and stuff. So they have had a bad time of injuries and things like that. So, but yeah, no, I do think they've missed Megs massively. And when she's back to full fitness, I think... Um, sure hit the ground running again for sure yeah absolutely and I think since Matt's come in Gemma Evans has been made captain I don't know who was captain beforehand but she seems to have really bolstered that defense she she seems to have took on the mantle of the captain and tried to lead from the back and obviously that's that's worked out for them in recent matches and um, at the right time obviously with the relegation battle heating up I think we are due a Claudia Walker goal this weekend and I can't think of a better venue for it than a return to our home at Damson Park. The game will be live on FA Player from 4pm on Sunday, part of a blockbuster weekend of women's football. So be sure to tune into the game, which is on the FA Player, as I mentioned. Before we go this week, we have just enough time to answer our listeners' questions. So if you have anything you'd like to ask, drop it in the chat now. And if you are listening to the audio only version, send us your questions to at Blue on social media ahead of our next episode. While we wait for the more questions to come in, we have one here from Anonymous. In honour of our 101st episode, what would you like to put into a women's football room 101? We'll start with you, Kaz. <laughs> mm. there's, a, there's a few stuff you could easily put in that, isn't there? Like commentators, like... I'd probably put commentators in that haven't got a bloody clue because they do my head in. So, yeah, commentators that haven't got a clue. Okay, unprepared commentators are in room 101. What about you, Stacey? Again, there's, there's, I think we could sit here and probably do a show on this, um, just this alone. Um, mine would probably be, do you know when people on social media compare the women's game to the men's game? But as in, ah, oh, yeah, but they couldn't even beat an under-11s boys team and it's like you're missing the point. Like, you're completely and utterly missing the point. Yeah, it annoys me. That That is what I'd put in the thing. It's yeah. a good choice. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know if this is actually controversial now, but I would remove the minimum requirements for gaining promotion to the Women's Super League. I want to see the teams that win the Women's Championship go up on sporting merit. The most recent example is Doncaster Bells, who won the league and then got relegated. That shouldn't happen. You shouldn't have a team who's capable of winning a league then getting relegated. That's It's just madness. So I'd put and that in Sunderland, room yeah. Sunderland yeah. as well? Yeah. yeah, I'd agree. We've got a question here from Chris. He would like to know, looking at each of the players whose contracts are expiring this season, who do you think will be offered a new contract? I think if they've got money, Chris, they'll offer a contract to everyone in the team at the moment. But it, it, it's a case of who will accept a contract is probably more, more they're the better question. But Kaz, do you, do you want to go first? So I've got a couple. <laughs> I do have a couple. So I'd say Sarah Malin would be top of my priority. You've got to give Claude an, even a new talk about contracts with Claude because without our goals this season, we we would be we would be rock bottom. Hannah, I can't see Hannah staying because obviously she wants to be England's number one, and she'd probably get looked at if she went to a Man City or a United or. Does she play though? If she goes somewhere like that, that's the, that would be the probably not. You're still now. getting, you'd still getting the take the team, wouldn't you? Come on, mm. let's be honest. Did I say Sarah Merlin? Yeah, yeah. You, you started with Sarah. You, you, you had a, a long soliloquy about Sarah. Okay, Sarah Claudia. 
Hannah. Right. And there's probably one more, but it all depends what she wants to do after she's did a degree. Um, and I'll, I'll has Harriet. Said. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like I like Harriet. I think everyone I'd does. Be gutted, I'd, be, I'd be gutted if we can't say bye to her if she like hangs her boots up now, like after the season. Yeah, I, 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 I think I think everyone would be sad if we don't get to say goodbye to some of the some of the people, especially has as you say. Um, Stace, any anyone who Kaz hasn't mentioned you want to name? Or? Uh, no, as as you said, I think you can't even be thinking about contracts until we know what the budget is, and you're not probably going to find out what the budget is until we know if the men are going to survive and. It's it's all up in the air, but me and, me and Kaz was actually having a conversation about this the other day, and um, I think we, we we decided there was only two players in the current squad that we probably wouldn't offer new contracts to, which I'm not going to say who, obviously, because I'm not that evil. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so um, yeah, two players yeah. that we wouldn't give contract to. So and that and that so Frev, the answer to your question is. I'll tell you next time I see you who the, the two because <laughs> I'm, I'm not putting you out there. <laughs> uh, and, on, and on that bombshell, that's all for this week's show. Thanks to Kaz and Stacey for joining me. You could be listening to the Brum is Blue podcast. Don't forget to follow the show on Twitter and Facebook at Brum is Blue. And as always, remember to keep right on. <laughs>